I'm Bryony Kennedy and you're listening to the Beauty, Business and Babies podcast brought to you by Adorn Cosmetics. In the last 10 years of building Adorn Cosmetics, having three children and advocating for more ethical beauty standards in the beauty industry, I've become intimately aware of what it's like to wrestle with the different areas of my life. Every fortnight, I'll share the tears and triumphs that I experienced when starting my ethical conscious beauty company, dealing with depression and caring for my children. My hope is that you'll grow to know it's okay to have imperfect days, that you are not alone in feeling like a mess, and that you'll be inspired to commit to small but bold actions each and every day. Welcome back to another episode of Beauty, Business and Baby, brought to you by Adorn Cosmetics. I'm joined by Michelle from The Peers Project, our producers, and together we're diving into how we can help our families be more environmentally conscious. Oh my goodness, yes. I'm so excited for this episode. You're Me so too. yes. I love it. Oh, you're so passionate about the environment, Brandy. And I I just think that, you know, that's or even part of the reason, it was all tied into the reason why you started the dawn and the way you've structured the company, you know, the intention behind making your products natural and minimal waste. You know, what really inspired this passion of yours for the environment? There's a couple of different layers. The first was that I wanted a product that I felt confident using and felt good using. And I found that really difficult to find or I'd find a brand where one product in their range was cruelty-free but the rest wasn't or or there'd be 50 layers of packaging to get to it or, you know, there was always something that didn't sit well with me and I found like, wow, there's just so much. Where have I got the time to research? Like I just don't want to be in a makeup store researching all this stuff. And back, you know, 12 years ago there really wasn't many options either so it was near impossible to to even really use anything natural you might have got a natural bronzer or something and that was it but I also just wanted something that was minimal waste I've always hated waste like I've always been into recycling like I remember in primary school when recycling became a thing and we all got an extra bin delivered and I was like wow this is awesome like I would just be all over it like a rash driving my mum nuts because I'd be pulling out the stuff in the bin that she because you know different era not really understanding at all throwing everything out and I'd be just going through it and pulling out receipts that could be recycled <laughs> like oh my poor mum yeah. um yeah like I washed my hands after guys but but you know I just I just always naturally felt like I I just wanted to look after the environment. I always really loved animals and I just hated wasting things. Like I always as as a kid tried to reuse things or didn't like throwing things out. I'd try and find another purpose for it or so it was just something I think that was in me. But when it got to Adorn, I just, I guess there was a bit of a natural evolution in that I had a salon um, and I was introduced by a supplier to some minerals at the time. And I do remember thinking, how is that powder going to do anything? Like, what the hell? You know, and then when I put some of it on, I was just so amazed by what minerals were capable of doing. And then when I'd researched it and and looked at how, you know, good it was for the skin and, and you know, less chemicals and, and all of that, I was really excited by the possibilities of what could come from a natural 
product. But at that time, I was just thinking of finding a brand that I could sell. I was not in my mind thinking I'd create my own. But I couldn't find one. So, uh, so for me, when I had my twins, that's sort of when I remembered I had that conversation with this particular supplier at the time and I, and I was teaching makeup classes for my own sort of self-care just to sort of have that separation from motherhood. I was teaching makeup classes and I thought, oh, you know, these other brands are getting the benefits of me educating other women. I probably should be selling my own makeup and one I feel ethically more connected to and one I feel more confident and and happy to be using. So I then sort of embarked on conversations with a couple of manufacturers around what that could look like because I had absolutely no idea. But having a background in makeup, I understood what colour palettes would work. I, I understood what needed to be done for it to, to stay put, to look good. But ethically, I was very strict on what I wanted it to look like from that side of things. So for me, I always wanted the Chanel of the natural world. Like that's how I explained it to my suppliers. I want something luxury but doesn't have any guilt associated with it. So whether it's, you know, cruelty-free, whether it's that you're vegan, whether it's that you support Australian made, which is great for environmental reasons, um, you want minimal waste, like palm oil, fruit, like whatever it is, no matter what you, I guess, are passionate about, I wanted the product that I produced to tick all of those boxes so that the consumer was confident that if they purchased a product from me that they almost didn't need to research it. They just knew this is what Adorn stands for and I'm going to try this product. So it was really collectively, um, you know, a long time developing the different ranges but making sure that it stuck to my minimal waste um, and you know one of the things that I didn't want to do is produce a product that had to have boxes around it so I've never ever boxed in 12 years any of our products so if you buy a lipstick or you buy a foundation it doesn't come any outer plastic or outer packaging and I a lot of people thought or oh, I don't know about that but I just I'm just not doing it I just refuse to produce something just for simple marketing and uh, that it's going to be thrown away. Like it's an absolute waste of resources to produce it and it's probably not going to get recycled. So that decision in itself stopped me being able to sell in stores and so that was a massive, I guess I just had to sort of make what was more important to me, that waste, the environment or selling more products and going into stores and I had the opportunity to, to go into like mire and things like that but I, my gut was I, I just can't bring myself to do that because I then have to box everything and I just refuse to do it. So there's definitely been some sacrifices for the brand along the way to not maybe get as uh, known as quickly as it could have been because I just wasn't prepared to compromise on some of those things in the earlier earlier days. And even today, which funny enough now in the last sort of probably more so 12 months, everybody's very much about being a minimalist but you know when I started Adorn it was very much that is not going to work people want the packaging they want all this luxury nonsense that's going on it you have to sell in a store Uh, so for me my only option was to sell online or sell direct because I didn't have that that outer packaging so yeah lots of lots of little reasons I guess uh, why I started Adorn and and then collectively over time it was just awesome that people 
joined me and and also wanted to be part of a brand that that had that same value system as as I did. Mm. Huge. How do you a question I've got is how do you stick to your guns or stick to what you know is right? You know, for you and stick to your values for you mm. being ethically conscious and environmentally conscious is a value, a very strong mm. one of yours. But often when money's involved, when new opportunities arrive, mm. Not many of us have the ability to really stick to what we believe in or what we value. How have you been able to do that? Yeah, look, there's definitely been temptations along the way. Like I've even had other brands want us to produce products for them, like I suppose like a private label situation and you think, wow, you know, yeah, and and it's tempting, especially in the earlier years when you're just not making any money because, you know, even if you're growing, so much money going into the the branding and the marketing and, and products and development and, and all of that so you know financially I understand the temptation I mean I've been there done that but I always thought to myself whenever there was a major decision to make to just again sit on it for 24 hours and just you know go with your feeling like I've never had a business plan I've never had a marketing plan um, I've never had any sort of formal written documents. I've always made my decisions on what I want as a, as a consumer and my gut feeling. And I feel that that's what's worked for me is that I've never let, you know, momentarily I might doubt or question, but it was always because of finances. And I think that's where people can make rash decisions or wrong decisions because the finances are putting stress on them and I totally get that but I just would say to myself okay take the emotion out of it and take if if money wasn't an issue would this be the right decision and it was always very easy to say no or yes it is so that's how I would look at things again very practically and yes it would would cause some short-term pain, but it's definitely been a long-term gain for us. And, and you know, for us, you know, selling online, again, I wanted to do that because, again, I didn't have to have the boxes. I was very particular about what people learnt about the brand because I'd invested so much around the accreditations and the ethics of the brand. I wanted people to understand why we don't have boxes, you know, why the products are this, um, you know, what the accreditations mean and and not have that diluted by being in a store with someone who probably doesn't understand as much or is even as passionate as, as what I am. So I know that by selling our products online, that the information that consumers get is true and correct and direct to them and not diluted along the way. But back then, you know, no one supported the idea of selling a colour cosmetic on a website 12 years ago. It was like, you've got rocks in your head and this won't work. So, you know, and I somewhat understood where they were coming from, but I just felt still in my gut that was the best way to go. And sometimes your limitations become the best thing for you because I also didn't have the money to even look at going into even say a salon or a specialty store because I didn't have the money to set up these amazing stands and and have sale I just didn't have all of that so 
this is where I continued makeup classes and I did them as much as I could, almost a bit like a party plan situation where I'd go, I'd teach people and then, of course, I'd colour match them and then they'd buy the products. Then inevitably they would need to repurchase them because the products are so awesome. Um, and the <laughs> <Take> easiest, <note. laughs> And so the easiest thing for them to do was to be able to get, get them online and not me have to take phone calls and, and so that's why I set the website up more to sort of help take the orders so as time went on and I thought okay but what about people I can't reach okay um you know I can't give stock away I'm not about to compromise and go into stores how do they get to experience these products and you know it's it's a tangible thing you've got color you've got consistency there's all these different things that they need to to see if it's going to work for them and one of the things that I I, as a consumer, never liked was going into a makeup store and trying to colour match something when I already had makeup on. Mm. And I wasn't about to walk in there with nothing on, <laughs> heaven forbid. Um, so, you know, what, what would you do? Colour match on the back of your hand? Your hand, nothing like your face. Uh, you'd get home, it would be wrong and it's waste. And that used to do my head in. I'd just think, wow, look at all of the waste in the beauty industry because women have gone into a store and just bought something or that's been in a blister pack that you can't even try and you've just hoped to God that it, that it works. So the, the waste of buying wrong things to me was another thing that I really hated. So I thought, how can I combat that? And also that whole experience of going into store and having no makeup on and having someone half your age trying to sell you something you're never going to use. You know, it's not always the best experience, is it, either? So how can we deliver this product in a way that people can experience it in a way they want to and know that it's going to be right for them? Because, you know, I think Adorn's amazing. I love it. But, you know, there's going to be something in our range that someone doesn't particularly love for whatever reason. And that's I'm cool with that. I'd rather you find that out than buy something and then waste it because that, that upsets me. So we looked at introducing the idea of, of samples. Now, that might have been a year into or two years into having the business started. But I didn't have the money to just be giving them away. Like I just had no money. So I thought we'll have to sell these little things. Like So no one thought I'd be able to sell samples. I said, no, people want them for free. Like I can go to Maya and get free whatever. And I said, well, that's fine. They, they just don't buy them then. If they can't or don't want to, they don't buy them. But again, I, that was my limitation. I had to sell them because I couldn't afford to give them away. And because our products are so pigmented and, and so strong in what they do, a little bit would be enough to last someone a, a week or so. So I thought, well, there's value there. It's not just one wipe and it's finished. So much to everybody else's lack of support, I uh, started to sell samples and my first staff member and myself at the time would just be like literally hand putting these into little pots um, because I didn't want them in sachets. I wanted them in pots so they could reuse them for travel or, or for whatever and also have that still that luxury experience. And look, today, um, you know, the samples, oh, we just sell thousands and thousands and thousands of them and and what I love about the sample program is that you get to try something in the the comfort of your own home you know that it's going to be right for you and then you're not committing to a full-size thing that ends up in landfill and you know a couple of years ago I read that over 70 percent of beauty products end up in landfill because they're they're not 
used. I mean, that just is heartbreaking to me. Like it's a, it, the beauty industry is a massive waste producer. Um, and so for me, I think one of the ways of minimising that is, is giving people the opportunity to try it first. Mm. Huge. Oh, my goodness. And I think that idea of the beauty industry being such a huge contributor, mm. you know, is something that I'd love to dive a bit deeper into. So when you were just working as a makeup artist before Adorn, before all of that, what would you say? Like was there just packaging across packaging? with any mm. specific moments you remember just going, this is getting ridiculous mm. how much waste there is here? Yeah. So, look, I my background was – Aside from doing makeup classes and professional makeup for weddings and things like that on the weekends, it was just something I was passionate about because I love colouring in, like I love colour. But my background's always been more corporate. So I wouldn't say I was exposed so much to that professional industry other than working for myself. But I just felt that there was things that I just didn't like. And I have to say a lot of the, well, not a lot, all of the decisions I've ever made for the brand are based on my own personal dislike or like and I've just hoped to God everybody else thinks the same um, and luckily they have over time so you know I just I just wanted things to be multi-purpose you know I think life's complicated as it is and you know women want to look good but they they don't know how to use 500 things in the morning nor do they have the time to do it they don't want to be touching up their makeup all day so I wanted things that were simple multi-purpose minimal waste um, possibly reusable and you know ethically derived the best way possible and so you know we looked at also um, a refill program now that got introduced um, I don't know maybe for three or four years into the the business and so for me I sort of thought okay well we've got these beautiful pots that our minerals get sold in and I just don't have a problem with like reusing that. Like the minerals are inorganic. They don't go off. They don't uh, breed bacteria because it's dirt. I mean, bacteria can only breed in, in a substance where there's water present. So I thought, well, can't we sell refills? Like, you know, so I sort of spoke to a few people and they're like, oh, I don't know. I think people would want a new pot, wouldn't they? Like, wouldn't it get scratched? I'd want a new pot. Well, I wouldn't. So I'm just going to give it a crack and just see. Like I just didn't. I didn't even ask anyone other than a few <laughs> friends. I thought I just I want a refill. So we started producing refills, and so you know it became hugely successful over time. And 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 people just love them. Like they you know buy multiples of them. And so all of our loose mineral range has a refill associated with it that you can purchase. It's the same grams, but you know it's much more. Uh, environmentally friendly and using less resources to produce the sachet that the refill goes in than to produce another pot and to try and recycle that pot even though it's recyclable it, it uses a lot of resources to recycle that pot more than to produce the sachet so everything I do I try and look at the whole view not just is it recyclable or, or you know the whole what is required to produce that how do we minimise resources to make something and how do we minimise resources when it's at the end of its life cycle? So the refill is something that, again, no one thought would work. It does, um, and more so in more recent times. 
And again, everybody loves the fact that we don't have the outer packaging. You know, even initially we did have to to wrap things in bubble wrap when I first started, but now we've got amazing paper that's, you know, come from a recycled source. You can recycle it um, and any brown paper is biodegradable anyway. So we use even the, the packaging that we wrap our products to get to the customer is uh, from recycled source, can be recycled or is biodegradable. And what's amazing, most people reuse it to re- rewrap, which is great. So, you know, keep it in the system, keep things in the system for as long as you can. So, you know, those sorts of things, you know, to me make a, a massive difference. Um, and as the brand has evolved, there's been lots of things that we've done to, to better what we're doing and to reduce waste. And, you know, there's so many of those things that I could delve into and maybe we will in a moment. But, you know, for me, it's always just been about, you know, producing something that I feel ethically is the right thing to do without causing as much impact as it needs to. I, I want luxury. I want to feel like I've, I'm, I've got a beautiful lipstick to put on, but I don't want to feel like it's been tested on something or, you know, I, I just I want to feel good about the use of it as well. Mm. So, so interesting. What would you say to the women listening that maybe think, why do we have to be so into the environment? You know, mm. why is why is being having an ethically conscious brand or environmentally conscious brand so important? Like, why, why, what is your take on, I guess, this idea of being environmentally conscious and why do you think it's so important for us now, mm. especially now as consumers to really take an interest in this? Well, I mean, I think it's a matter of almost life and death, isn't mm. it? You know, I mean, we, we only have so many resources and they're, they're resources for a reason because they, they end at some point. So, you know, everything that's produced, it will stay in the system somehow or another and it'll either stay in a negative way or a positive way. And I think, you know, as much as life is not as simple as it used to be, nor do I think it probably ever will be, I think it's just looking at, you know, small ways that you can make collectively a big difference like if we all have the attitude that we can't I, oh, what what difference do I make then no difference will occur so it's about collectively everybody just doing small things and I know that sounds corny and cliche but it's true you know if we all just have the attitude that you know I'm just going to buy this particular product that's got all this packaging in it and everybody has that attitude that it's just one extra box but then a million people buy it that's a million boxes that you've got to try and deal with like it's it's so that's where we need to look at it that don't overwhelm yourself with it and again get to the point of feeling guilty about decisions and oh what's the best this to buy and oh I feel like oh because then you you're no good to anyone again so it's about doing what you can do with what you've got you know it's you know making the best choices you can make within your lifestyle and your finances and your health and but for me, you know, producing an, a more ethical, environmentally conscious brand is, is, is a small thing in the scheme of the world. Like I'm not saving lives, but for me it, it, it's still important because it gives women an opportunity to feel that they're doing something. They're going to use a makeup product anyway. Why not use one that, yes, we still make an impact. I mean, just breathing air has an impact. So everything has an impact on the, on the environment, but let's try and minimise it as much as we can. And if that makes you feel good that you're making some small steps there, then, you know, that's great. Like, for me, I look at, say, like a mineral foundation, you might go through three of those a year. And if I look at how many customers we've got, 
and you times three pots by the thousands of customers we've got and I look at how much that would look like from a landfill point of view, that's massive. But to the person, they think, oh, it's just three teeny pots. But collectively, it's a massive issue. So, you know, to, to look at disposing of thousands of little refill sachets, that, that's a feel-good thing just for me and hopefully something other people feel as well. And, you know, some people aren't going to care. That's that's their prerogative. But I just think that it's important that we do what we can, what we can, to, to minimise our, our impact. And I think that you need to look at things from the perspective of do I really need it? And if I do, is it something that's going to last a long time? And, you know, can I reuse it? Is it multi-purpose? And so something that I'm passionate about with the Adorn range is that when we produce a product, uh, I try not to make it something that's so single use that it's more, you know, you can use it as a, a foundation, it's got sunscreen in it, maybe you want to use it as a concealer or a blush as a lipstick or an eyeshadow. So try and make things multi-purpose so that you get full use of the product rather than half of the use of it and then you've wasted half because you've thrown whatever. You know, for me, it's also looking at, you know, how can we, you know, minimise the packaging or can we make things in smaller containers but yet it's still the same grams because a lot of packaging you see it's deceiving like it, it, it's got double walls so it looks bigger but the grams is the same like I mean we've got these 30 mil containers and you know I look at some other brands their 30 mil container looks huge but it's because it's that perception they've made the bottle look bigger but that's a lot of extra waste that's just not needed um you know little things along the way like it's not a massive thing but for us we've stopped printing orders on paper and packing sheets on paper we've reduced it down to a small little label now that fits on half an a4 paper so we've you know drastically reduced paper we barely do any printing whatsoever we've swapped from you know plastic bags to biodegradable bags that go into the mail so you know you can just put that in your compost or it will just naturally decompose over a period of time you know there's so many little things that we've done along the way to just try and benefit the environment and and look you know it's not a huge step but it's a it's a step and I think collectively all these things make a difference. Mm. I could not agree more. I think it's so valuable when you when you mentioned that even though, you know, to us we might just think, oh, that's only two little satchels or one little mm. container. It, it, collectively it makes a huge difference, which is, yeah, it's just so great to hear that like a brand like yours is really just being looking at every single angle and f- figuring out how we could make this kind of the least waste, mm. you know, possible. I want to soon dive a bit deeper into what new mums can really do or mums in general can really do when they're thinking about purchasing, just consuming in general for their families and whatnot Mm. and looking at that environmentally conscious side of it. But before we do, I want to dive a little bit deeper into the accreditations that you've Mm. actually got. So talk us through them. I mean, I know there's quite a few and I know they're quite difficult to get. So talk us through that process, what they are and what they mean. Yeah, so the the accreditations, um, we're the only brand that has – all of the accreditations that we've got. So, I, yeah, I'm quite proud of that. And, look, they were not easy to get. They're not expensive to get. So if if someone complies, you could get them. But there's a lot of work involved. So the Australian-made uh, certification or accreditation basically looks at 
the production of your products taking place in Australia and obviously where possible your ingredients and things like that. Now, there are sometimes ingredients that you have to source overseas, um, but as long as the products are produced here and, you know, they're packed here, then that's what the Australian made logo looks at. And so that's something we're really proud of because we source local where possible. Packaging's a little bit difficult. Uh, there's not much of a manufacturing industry here. So we do have to source a lot of it overseas, which is a bit disappointing. But we are looking at uh, more refill programs, especially for the skincare, because again, that means that whilst we have to have that produced overseas, those refill sachets weigh less. They're going to use less resources to ship them over, less packaging to ship them over. So we are looking at more ways that we can try and minimise the resources around uh, packaging that we get from overseas. Then we've got the vegan accreditation. So basically what that means is that you cannot use any ingredient that's derived from an animal. So that includes things like even honey. It also means that I have to prove the coconut oil that we use hasn't been picked by monkeys. Uh, so it's it's when I launch a new product, I do... Uh, I do take a deep breath because I know that, wow, this is it's, it's a massive process to get it accredited. Like, good on them for being so strict. But the vegan accreditation is probably one of the hardest. You know, they do want to know a lot and that's fine. So, uh, so that just basically means we have to make sure that they're ethically sourced and no animals are used to source the ingredients. No animals are in the ingredients. And one ingredient could be listed so many different ways, uh, but ultimately it could be an animal. Like glycerin could be an animal byproduct or a vegetable. So it's proving all of that stuff. So that's really difficult, but all of the products are accredited with the Vegan Society. And on our website, people can click on the links and read up a bit more about them. But the next one that we have is the toxin-free, which is uh, basically, it's a little bit hard. Look, it's a toxin-free accreditation that we have with Safe Cosmetics Australia. And so what that means is they're also an aller they also have an allergen-free accreditation. So the two of those mean that we don't use anything that's a known allergen or a known toxin. Now, it's a little bit of a grey area because, you know, someone might be allergic to something that's a little bit of a one-off, but it's the known things, like we don't have peanuts or, you know, so it's the things that they know are definitely a toxic or carcinogenic type ingredient that we just, we're safe. So we don't use petrochemicals or parabens and, and those sorts of things that, you know, are questionable ingredients. So... You can read more about that because that's quite interesting. But for us, it's very much about no animal ingredients, uh, nothing that's synthetic, synthetically derived. You can't say chemical free because scientifically everything has a chemical composition. So I don't, I don't like it when people <laughs> sort of refer to it as chemicals, but we don't use synthetic chemicals or petrochemicals and you know things like perfume or synthetic colors so all of our colors are derived from minerals from the ground and so what that means is that you can't produce the same colors a synthetic product could produce that's very much to a recipe they use uh, synthetic colors because those synthetic colors are made to a specific formulation um, that you can you know, reproduce time and time again. But when you're dealing with natural products, there will always be a little bit of a difference because the minerals that you got might will be a little bit different to the... It's, it's like going to the beach. One sand 
there might be a little bit different to the sand a couple of suburbs away. It's this, So when you're dealing with nature, there's no consistency, but that's the beauty of it. You know, our rose water might smell slightly different because, you know, the rose petals might have smelt slightly different from that batch. So, so they're the sorts of things we just stay away from synthetic, toxic, um, you know, any sort of petrochemical type silicons and things like that. And then we closing in on our certification for palm oil, palm oil free certification. So we've we've nearly had that finalised for the a lot of the colour cosmetics. The next thing that we have to go through is the process for the skincare, which I'm ex- excited about. Maybe not excited about the process because it's a long, <laughs> it's a long one, but it's but intense. I get it that you've got to have these protocols. And you know what a great job they're doing. Um, so for us, it's then you know looking at that and and having adding that accreditation as well and I'm thinking have I forgotten any of them I don't think I have um done so yeah well. I think that, I think that's all of the accreditations <laughs> if there's not check out the why adorn page on adorn's uh, website and there'll be more there oh I love it and it's just it's just so great to hear it from you I mean I think you know knowing that the brand is so ethical ethically produced and that you know everything around it has been accredited and it's all sorted it just it gives I think I think someone like myself or the amazing women listening that just that comfort that it really is what it says it is Mm. you know sometimes in the industry they say they say they're one thing and they're really not um which is so great so great to hear amazing so in this kind of final segment of the episode, I want to dive deeper into what your advice would really be to new mums or mm. to mothers out there who are purchasing all the things for their children, their families and whatnot, doing most of the buying and all of that. When it comes to, you know, choosing things that are more environmentally conscious, like what has mm. been your experience with your boys and your family and whatnot? Don't take them to the shops and don't let them watch TV. <laughs> then they don't know what they're not missing. Yes. Um, but 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 in all seriousness, look, look, I probably, especially when my boys were younger, I did try and uh, avoid taking them to the shops for that reason because I honestly think there's just too much going on. Like, I mean, I'm like a kid in a candy store when I enter Chadston or wherever. You think, wow, look at all this stuff. Um, but, you know, I just feel that, just don't have the temptations with the kids first of all because they don't know like and you can't expect a young child to get that like they're not going to know um so I think until they're of an age that they understand you know just sort of maybe prevent those opportunities to arise because there's a lot of junky plastic things that they're available to buy and it's just this whole more 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 and instant gratitude gratification and uh, no long-term gratitude from things so you know I, I think we're really understanding now more so the impact our choices uh, have around purchasing and I think people are trying their best to to make better decisions it's a hard one I think especially for people who are struggling financially because you know of course if they can buy a five dollar t-shirt and clothe their child as opposed to a fifty dollar t-shirt I, I get that like you know I'm not about to sit here and judge people because they you know are not vegan or they're buying you know fast fashion or or whatever I I get that in some instances that's just what they need to do and that's fine no one's here to judge but I think the the best thing and what I've tried to teach my children is just things in their own I suppose at their own level of understanding like for example if we 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 don't flush it 
All right, so that's another little <laughs> If it's yellow, it mellows in our house, okay? Um, and so I've always done the whole, look, we don't want to, we, we're just going to, unless you do a poo, we're not going to flush the water because we don't want to waste the water for the fish. And when you're washing your hands, let's turn the tap off because we, we, we don't want the fish in the ocean to run out of water, do we? Like I know that's not really what happens, but it's just trying to put it into perspective in a way they sort of understand and kids are so caring and have such empathy for things that they like yeah I don't want the fish to die shit I'll turn the tap off you know (laughs) like they they do they worry about it and so you know little things like that where you know I would even like with buying things you know I at at an age where I I knew that they could slowly understand I would show them bills like I would get them to understand okay so you know the phone this cost this and this is how much this cost so I would show them and then I would say so you know when I go to work it takes me three days to pay for that or I try and put it into something that they can understand and quantify and then when we'd go to the shops I would be able to say to them okay so I know that you want that but I will need to go to work for two days for that would you rather me spend two days at work not with you and or do you want that? So I try and give them choices and sometimes when they did want something, like let's face it, you do want to buy your kids things sometimes, I would say, then you know, they might grab one thing and then they think, oh, I'm on a roll, I'm going to see if she'll <laughs> buy me two things. I'd go, mate, which one do you want? You make the decision but you get one thing and that's it. So it's putting it back onto them to be part of the decision process rather than just no, 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 because they don't understand why are you constantly rejecting their, you know, the things that they want, which is fine. Like they, they don't understand. So let them understand some financial decisions and, and why, and but quantify in a way that they understand you need to be taken away from them for a day to make that, to buy that. You know, make them make the decisions about what's important to them, even if it is batman compared to superman they're still learning to make a decision and and waste you know for me you know with food it's like you know don't put more on your plate than you think you're going to eat because you know that's food that's going to be wasted and again that that cost five dollars and i had to earn that and you know it's wasting it it's going to go into landfill now see we dig a hole in the backyard and you know you fill that up and then we're going to run out of land like where are the animals going to live if we just keep wasting food and if we buy stuff that you're only going to use for a week and then it goes in the bin you know there's we're going to run out of land for you know the animals going to have no trees because they'll have to chop trees down to make more area for rubbish won't they like then where are the koalas going to live it's just breaking it down into I think animals are a really good thing to use for kids to to understand that you know wasting water electricity uh you know buying stuff you don't really need it's got to go to landfill it's going to reduce you know the the habitat for wildlife because kids have an affinity of of wanting to to care for animals they love them and so I think if they feel that they're contributing to a koala's tree getting chopped down that's probably not a great subject right now is it really which is really quite sad but 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 that's the reality put it into something that they can understand um like even my little one who's five you know I I have started that process with him a, a little while ago but even things like ants like we might see a thing of ants and and he'll you know want to squash one and I'm like but if you do that mate his mum and dad are not going to see him again and then you know that's you you don't do that because he's trying to find his mum and dad you just don't no need to kill something you don't need to squash it like or a fly like you don't need to do that to that fly like he's just leave him alone he's looking for his parents or so right to the point that you know my now 12 year olds one my husband (laughs) 
we were going for a walk the other day and he swatted this. I don't even know if it was a mozzie. It was massive. He swatted it and one of my boys was devastated. He's mm. like, what did that mozzie do to you, Dad? You didn't even need to do that. He's really angry at my husband over it. I'm like, it's a mozzie. Oh, my <laughs> God. Taught I'm, them so well. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking I've taught, but I think this is backfiring yeah. now. Like, so, you know, little things like gone that. Yeah, you've gone, gone too far with the mozzies. So, yeah, yeah, I think it's just putting it into perspective in, in, in terms that they can understand in moments they can understand and you know if you feel that you can't stop your child from having a normal tantrum they all have it don't take them to the shops because it's overwhelming in there there's so many bright colors of course they want the whole of target like just don't (laughs) take them in there you know just try and limit their exposure to these things because it's too much Mm. too much way too much oh i love it so well said and they're just so such a valuable conversation we're having i feel you know it's just the things that often don't get talked about enough Mm. um, that we're bringing to light here, which I love. Oh, so amazing. Look, Bryony, there's so much more we could dive into. I think one of the final questions I've got is just, you know, now that your children are a bit older, they understand a lot more than usual. And I guess even as the the horrors that are coming up, the Mm. bushfires, Mm. you know, the most insane things that are happening Mm. on this planet right now, you know, what, I guess, final piece of advice would you give to the women listening around just getting our heads around where we're at in terms of the environment mm. and where we're heading mm. and therefore what they can really do just on a day-to-day basis to um, kind of stop what's happening, contribute less? Uh, look, one, one of the things that my husband and I discussed early on was that we will never allow we would never allow our children to watch the news until they got to maybe around high school age and and each to their own and 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 I'm not no parenting expert or, or, or personal development expert but I do think that there is so much horrific stuff going on and not to say that we shouldn't try and put an end to it but from the day that life existed there's always been traumatic horrific things that have happened and I unfortunately don't think that will ever stop so what I do feel is that we must not be consumed with all of that because then you become incapacitated to do anything because you become so overwhelmed so distraught so upset that you don't know where to start so you don't even begin so for me, I don't watch the news a lot. I, I don't watch TV a lot, to be honest. Um, I choose to watch really superficial, relaxing, funny shows if I've even got the time. I don't engage with pages on in, on social media that I feel are too negative um, and not in a bad way negative just I can't stomach it because naturally being an an empath I feel like I've got to solve it fix it do something about it then I feel sick that I can't so for my own well-being I, I switch off to a lot of those things because I feel that you really only can solve the circle you're in and I think that you know if you if you look at yourself in the center of a circle you know, you can touch everybody in that first ring around you and, and you can be kind to them, you can support them through through whether someone was in a bushfire or someone has experienced an issue with some flooding or domestic violence or, or uh, depression or whatever. So your, your first circle around you, you 
have the best impact. And then they are the centre of the next circle and they can then pass that on to their circle. And then it just, it actually goes on, like if, if you're sort of almost looking at a, you know, a, a fully round rainbow, it's that whole just moving out to that next layer of people and that's all you can control. And I feel that if you start trying to solve the world's problems, you're never, ever going to feel satisfied that you've done enough because you need to – it is. You have to start locally to, to act globally and you hope it has a ripple effect. You know, smile at someone and hope they smile to someone else and, and, and hope that has a ripple effect on, on everybody else. You know, someone showed you kindness, then you're more likely to do it and that's all you can actually physically control. Like it's, it, it's impossible. You're not – anywhere but here with me right now so all you can do is be kind to me or or the situation around you and hope that then that emulates across to other people so well said that's going to be a quote anyone that's going to be a quote on instagram no i love it and it's just so well said what an informative discussion from the accreditations through to this. You know, I've I've personally learned so much today. Awesome. Um, and look, I hope we've we've made you know the amazing women listening so much more aware of the impact that mm. they make and the little things that they can do, especially to you know kind of help the environment. And that's the key. It's the little things. The you little, know, all it's, about it's the little all things. All about the little stuff. I love it. So look. We'll, we'll end the conversation here, but I guess I'm excited for the next one. We will dive a bit deeper into the beauty industry and how we can choose beauty products that are natural and sustainable. Awesome. Thank you for listening to the Beauty Business and Babies podcast brought to you by Adorn Cosmetics. I hope there was something in today's episode that you found relatable and made you feel less alone. As women, we're all struggling with something on the inside, but we're often too afraid to ask for help. If there was something in this episode that you think might help another woman you know, please share it with them and let me know by screenshotting this episode and tagging me on social media at Bryony A. Kennedy and at Adorn Cosmetics. If you love what Adorn Cosmetics stands for, subscribe to this podcast right now and head to adorncosmetics.com.au to become an adorner and receive special offers on all things adorn. Thank you once again for listening and being part of my journey. I'll see you next time.